Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Episode 200, Amy. Can you imagine? 200 episodes. Are you serious? I hadn't even paid attention, but there it is. You have it on the title of the script. Yeah, Episode right 200. There. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's been, uh, how many years have we been doing this? It'll be four in May. Wow. That's really flown by. Yes, it has. That's a lot. We 200 s- conversations. And yes, that's, we had. That's only a small percentage of all the conversations over the years. That is true. That is true. Had some episodes, some special episodes. That's why the, the, you know, you'd think at 200, 208 or so would be your, your four year because 52 weeks in a year, but we've had so many interviews and different things like that. So we're a little ahead on that, the number pace there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, May of 2015, we started this whole thing. Yeah. And here we are in February of 2019, uh, at episode 200. We don't have a big special thing like we did for episode 100 though. So it's just 200. Uh, it's just 200, so here we enjoy. go. Episode CC, if, if you're in the, uh, the Super Bowl mood from last week. Oh, yeah. That's, I guess that, that's one of the few things that uses a Roman numeral system anymore. Yeah, that and like copyrights on movies and TV right. shows and stuff. You still right. see it in that. But I wonder if they even teach the Roman numeral system in school anymore. I need to ask my kids. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, the only thing you really see it on, like, on a day-to-day basis is clocks. So. Right. Anyway, enough of that. Episode 200. It's been fun, Amy. You've recorded podcasts from all corners of the globe, literally. Yes. And I've recorded podcasts from Nashville. Most of our episodes, Amy, have been sponsored by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That is, once again, the case this week. Last month, we had some exciting news out of Boyce College, the undergraduate school there at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where the dean, Matt Hall, and President Albert Muller announced a new bachelor's degree program at Boyce in communication. This new program promises cutting-edge training in the complexities of communication fields in the 21st century with the biblical and theological studies you would expect from Southern Seminary and Boyce College. So if you or someone you know is interested in studying communication, have them check out this new program at boycecollege.com slash communication. All right, Amy, into the news this week. A lot of discussion about uh, diversity uh, in our program today, and that starts with the EC Search Committee responding to a an article in the Biblical Recorder in your home state about the active pursuit of non-Anglo candidates for the Executive Committee presidency job. Yeah, this has been a pretty active conversation in Southern Baptist life for those who uh, maybe participate in social media discussions, just really asking the question. It came out of a letter that had been sent from uh, two former SBC presidents, James Merritt and Bryant Wright, and Las Vegas pastor Vance Pittman, um, that the biblical recorder had uh, had dropped a story that this letter had gone to the search committee asking if it had interviewed any minority candidates for uh, the president of the executive committee. And after that article dropped, just, you know, a lot of conversation sort of ensued. There was... Uh, there were some blog posts about it. There were, uh, there's a lot of Twitter conversation. Uh, Religious News Service did an article that I really dealt with sort of diversity in the Southern Baptist Convention on a wider scope, but it did address this. Uh, and, and the end of the week, 
brought a release from the executive committee search committee uh, that was dropped in Baptist Press. Yes. Yeah, so the the question from the letter that's published at the BR Now site, the Biblical Recorder site, you can read the full text of the letter there. Uh, asked the question, "Have you interviewed anyone?" And a response came back from the executive search team, uh, like you mentioned, uh, that said that quote uh, they had not only desired ethnic diversity in the process, but had actively pursued resumes from non-Anglo candidates. Uh, There's the full statement. You can read that at the Baptist Press website. We've linked to that as well. Uh, But that's that's kind of the summation. Uh, That's what they talked about in the headline as well, that they had actively pursued candidates. I'd kind of anticipated when the conversation started that we would hear something from the search committee just because they would they would want to give a response. And so we did in in Baptist Press. Um, these are conversations that sometimes we just end up having uh, and we have them publicly. But so it shows us Southern Baptists want to know. And it also shows us some of the things that people are thinking about and concerned about as we move forward. Uh, so the the one thing that they did say in this release is that they will not have a nomination to share with the full executive committee on uh, February 18th during their report. So any thoughts or expectations that folks might have had that we might have a candidate for president of the EC, uh, that will not be the case uh, next week, but they will give expanded details regarding the search during that time. So we just continue to wait and see uh, what is next at the executive committee. Yeah, and we still kind of have a unknown with the executive committee presidential search team because Dr. Rummage is leaving Florida to go to Oklahoma. So he is resigning his position at the executive committee because he won't be in the the territory anymore. When we had the discussion on the day that they selected the team, they had mentioned that if somebody had rolled off, they would remain on the team. But it was never really brought up that if somebody resigned their position, would they remain on the search team? Right. We don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, so that's a question that I'm sure everyone is... So we'll find that out next week, I'm sure. So, and I'm wondering if Dr. Rummage will even be at it because, you know, he's in the process of moving. And again, has he resigned his position from the executive committee yet, even though he's already accepted the pastorate? At right. Quail we, Springs. I don't know that we don't have so, the timeline and all of that. Yeah, and exactly. But it so cer- certainly is a procedural question. Yes, it is. And uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have an answer for that next week. So both links to the letter and the response are at our website. And you can find those at, Bab- at the Biblical Recorder and at Baptist Press. Other news, Amy, this week, uh, a, a diversity theme somewhat through the uh, the news this week. Sky Pratt has been named the chairman of the Committee on Committees, and Ashlyn Portero of City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, has been named the vice chair. Yeah, so this is a, a, a big announcement um, as they, as President Greer works on uh, making his appointments. Uh, this we, we heard about the resolutions committee, and now we're moving on to hearing about the committee on committees. Ashlyn Portero is, uh, as vice chair, is this the first time that we've had a female I, in, in, the, in a role like that? It's possible. I can't confirm. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't know. I, I don't it would know. take a lot of research going back. Until but, I did the research on the re- resolutions committee, I didn't know we'd had a female chair of the resolutions committee. So Yeah. So it could, it could be, but, um, but Sky Pratt and Ashlyn Portero are 
really, you know, I, these are folks that I really appreciate and respect. I've met Sky Pratt a few years ago and um, know his family, uh, really, really have a lot of respect for them. And then Ashlyn Portero's got a great reputation, uh, particularly as an organizational leader, as a executive director of City Church in Tallahassee. And so she's going to really be bringing a great skill set uh, to to that role as well. So this is exciting news. Yes, I've known Ashlyn for years. I think you have as well. So she's a good friend of the pod, and uh, we're excited to see her serve Southern Baptist. And I hope Southern Baptist will get to know her because she's just delightful. So uh, that that's we're excited for both her and Sky. All right, on to trustee recaps, Amy. We've got three trustee meetings this week, and we have recaps from all three. We'll start with Nam. They met down in South Florida and really spent a lot of time talking about the Who's Your One Evangelism Initiative, as well as uh, the an update on the Send Cities strategy, uh, which was exciting to hear. The, check this out, Amy. The Send Network Leadership Pipeline, which is basically what they're bringing church planners through, has grown through from 237 churches in early 2018 to 750 right now. Wow. So 660 individuals participating um, and then also speaking of those churches that were planted, Kevin Ezell mentioned that over 60% of the churches that Southern Baptist planted in 2018 were non-Anglo. Uh, and they even spotlighted a church that hasn't launched yet. Uh, Rob Wilton is launching Vintage Pittsburgh later this year. They've already sent a $30,000 check to the cooperative program of the Pennsylvania South Jersey State Convention. They launch in October, and they're already a top five CP giving church in the state convention, Amy. They haven't even launched yet. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's really kind of amazing. And what that shows is that these churches that are being planted are, it is being instilled in them the importance of the cooperative program. Yeah. And we've seen criticism out there online or whatever of church plants think with really on based on assumptions that they don't support CP as much as others or they, they're not as focused on traditional Southern Baptist giving methods and things like that. And it's just not the case. Every, everywhere I look, I see church plants of 10, 11, 12%. And, you know, Rob Wilton, I mean, they've already given 30 grand and not even launched yet. I mean, we're planning churches at the SIN network that are committed to Southern Baptist principles and Southern Baptist patterns uh, of giving. So that's exciting to see. Yes, very much so. Next up, there was another trustee meeting, and that was the one that you were a part of at Lifeway in Nashville. So you had a really busy week. I did. It's been a very busy one. Most of the business was done in executive session, so I was not in the room for any of that. There was a report and update given from the presidential search team. There was some business discussion in executive session as well. Uh, we did hear updates about ongoing curriculum and uh, Bible studies for life. Michael Kelly shared an update on that. And we had another piece of business where we nominated three people to fill some vacancies on the board. So right. uh, that's a, kind of a standard operating procedure there. And however, we did hear from Dr. Rayner. Yeah, he gave a, a presidential address and that was his last one. Yes, it was. It was it was surreal because yeah. you know, I've known him for seven years and heard several of these, you know, more than a dozen of these presidential addresses. And uh, for that to be the last one, that was, it was, it was a sad, but it was also, you know, he, he did a great job and it was a great presentation and kind of set up the rest of the trustee meeting. So I've really enjoyed working with him. I, I tweeted that out about his leadership and how much I respect him as a leader and all the things that he's done at Lifeway. So we will miss him. 
no doubt. Uh, it was kind of his last week in the office. So that's one president leaving, giving his last address. Yes. And we've got another president giving his first address as Paul Chitwood was installed as the president of the International Mission Board this week. Yeah, so lots of transition at trustee meetings. That was a uh, a big meeting there in Richmond. Um, they also, the trustees unanimously elected Todd Lafferty as the executive vice president during that meeting. But of course, the, the major focus was the installation uh, service at Grove Avenue Baptist Church uh, there in Richmond. I watched a little bit of that on Facebook Live. They also appointed 19 new missionaries. So that was part of, of the service as well. So there was a lot surrounding uh, that and, uh, you know, Dr. Rayner having his final address and, and Paul Chitwood in, in some way having sort of an initial address. Uh, they also affirmed a vice president of communication, Roger Alford. Uh, so there's a, a lot of, a lot of new leadership. Yeah. So congratulations to Todd Lafferty and Roger Alford on their election as, uh, leaders at the International Mission Board. We're excited for them and the IMB and the days ahead for them. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. And things are a little different this month, Amy. Okay. All right. So we had a report in Baptist Press about uh, 18233000 in change uh, that was given in January. And at the top of the report, it says that 40 of the 41 states had reported. And I looked at that total and went, oh, that's, that's really low. I wonder what state that is. So then the monthly report came out at sbc.net and noticed it was South Carolina. So being the diligent reporter podcaster that I am, I emailed South Carolina and asked them what their total was. And I've got an updated total. They had 2.4 million still outstanding, Amy. That brings the total to 20,688,000, which is more online with what we've been seeing in January over the past few years. And that brings our total CP for the year to a little over $67 million, uh, which is above budget by $2.3 million. So that's good news. That is good news. Yeah. Okay. So we're, so we're way above budget. Yeah. So sometimes the headline, which it, it is correct that in how they closed out the books, it was 0.18% under budget projection. Uh, but that timing does help us understand and, you know, the truth is whenever they put these releases in Baptist Press, there's always a paragraph that says month to month swings reflect a number of factors. And the very first one they give as an example is the timing of when cooperating state Baptist conventions forward the national portion of contributions to the executive committee. So we'll swing in a different direction uh, a month from now because these month to month swings really do depend on a lot of things. So next month, we'll see kind of a larger than normal February, uh, more than likely, if you have that $2.4 million rolled into the February totals uh, because of the timing that it was received and everything. But there's a little bit of an update to the Baptist Press story there. So that's good news because when you add that 41st state into it, we're back on kind of par with what we would expect. You know, the last couple of years, we've been uh, just a hair over 20 million in January, and that's been kind of normal. So when I saw that 18.2, I started freaking out. I got to admit. Right. But whenever you add that 2.4 in there, you get to 20 million, almost 700,000. That's the biggest January we've had since 2012. So that's good news, folks. So we will, uh, we'll see where we head in the future for CP, but CP is strong again because of that uh, reporting 
and the timing there. So thank you to the folks at the South Carolina Baptist Convention for getting back with us and getting us that information. We really appreciate that. That was uh, great of them to get that to us so quickly. Yes. All right, Amy, more diversity discussion here. The ERLC named their largest leadership council, more than 100 members, 120 to be exact, with men and women from all walks of Southern Baptist life from around the country. Uh, some some names in there that, uh, that kind of jump out to us and some good friends of the pod on there as well. Yes, I, I saw that list come out. And of course, I first saw, you know, 120. That's a, a huge list, a lot of investment in these leaders and also really highlights the leaders that we have out there. Yeah. The release just gave sort of a handful, you know, because you can't list all 120 in a release. But some of the names that were highlighted in the BP story were uh, Donna Gaines, um, Jennifer Lyle from uh, B&H there, Dave Miller, Vance Pittman, Kevin Smith, a lot of folks that that uh, we know, Lauren Green McAfee. You and her were on a panel together last year at the SBC, weren't you? We were. We were indeed. So uh, this is a, a great group. But when you go on to the link to see the entire one, it really highlights people, you know, diversity in every single way. Pastors, lay people, folks in denominational service, men, women, a diversity of ages, ethnicities, uh, areas of focus. They participate in training throughout the year. They, uh, I think, uh, often have some events at the the conferences that the ERLC hosts. So uh, this is a, an exciting announcement from the ERLC. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, Southeastern-related folks here. I'm looking through the whole list. Lauren Ashford, a good friend, Lauren, Bruce's wife. Uh, Ashley Unsicker. Yes. A good friend, uh, married to Todd Unzicker, uh, who works at the Summit Church. Uh, Jay Adkins, a good friend of the pod. Jose Abea, I know was a former SBC second vice president last year. Seth Brown, uh, our friend at the Biblical Recorder. Uh, Matt Chandler, Matt Crawford, a friend of ours at uh, City Church in Tallahassee. Jeff Dodge, who we've had on the podcast as well. Grant Etheridge, I know you know from your days up in Virginia. Noe Garcia over in Phoenix. Uh, Mike Glenn, a pastor here at First Baptist Brentwood, uh, Christine Hoover, Dean and Sarah, and our good friend up in Iowa, Dave Miller, is on here as well. So th- I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there, there's quite a few names on here. So uh, definitely check out the full list. Uh, congratulations to all of those on the ERLC Leadership Council. Finally, Amy, a couple of stories from Kentucky. First of all, the Western Recorder has joined the Kentucky Baptist Convention Communications Department. They're moving from a newspaper to a magazine, a monthly magazine format, and Kentucky Today will continue to be the online newspaper to serve Kentucky Baptists, and the Western Recorder will move into a monthly magazine role. Okay. So they've been around since 1825, Amy, 1825, almost 200 years the Western Recorder has been around and uh, kind of in its next phase of life here with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. That's incredible. We see that with a lot of our state Baptist papers. They started before the Southern Baptist Convention even came into being. So when 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 people were just part of cooperating Baptists all over uh, at the time and a lot of them were in local associations, uh that that was kind of their their major effort of cooperation just simply because of the time and and things but these papers would pop up everywhere and it's pretty phenomenal the history uh behind them. So this is this is actually a really big deal this transition. Yes, it is, Amy. And then some news from last week. We uh, they had the ceremony for T. Vaughn Walker at Southern on Saturday. 
And at the uh, celebration of life service, Dr. Moeller announced an endowed chair in his honor. It'll be known as the T. Vaughn Walker Professor of Christian Ministry Chair. So uh, that, that thought that was a really nice touch from Dr. Moeller at the memorial service for Dr. Walker. Right, and this is uh, this is a chair that is just being established. They they are taking uh, money and establishing this immediately. It's not that they're going to you know have to raise money for it. It starts now, and so that's a it was a very moving thing. I I saw some of the funeral uh, because they live streamed it, and uh, a lot of great things have been done to honor Dr. Walker. I know we talked about that uh, last week, but uh, he was very deserving of that. So that was a nice touch to uh, honor him in that way. And it is uh, now time for my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. Uh, we're going to go to 1982 and uh, just a just a story about broader discussions in our nation. You know, we have a lot of conversations even right now talking about criminal justice reform. And in 1982, on February 8th, the Maine Baptist Press story was about uh, Chuck Colson making an appearance before a congressional panel. This was his first appearance before a congressional panel um, since he had testified on Watergate. Um, and he was coming to Congress asking them to make um, sweeping changes in the way the federal criminal system is run. Uh, so at this stage, he, you know, had come to Christ. He was a Southern Baptist layman. He had founded prison fellowship. Um and was coming out of his Christian worldview, looking at uh, looking at the federal criminal system and and saying we've got to make some changes. Uh, he talked about an overhaul of the federal criminal code, incarceration of nonviolent criminals being uh, counterproductive, several other things that he just began to talk about what it what it means to look at the prison system and to look at prisoners, um, how we view that, not just as Christians, but as uh, Americans. It's just a really interesting story and just a kind of a reminder about uh, prison fellowship, the work that they do. His story is just kind of a, f- a phenomenal thing. I'm currently reading a biography of Richard Nixon. We haven't made it to Watergate yet, but uh, Chuck Colson, you know, is, is certainly pops up in the story of his presidency and, uh, and and the impact that he had after coming to know Christ uh, is pretty phenomenal. But I think it's interesting because we now, you know, are continuing to have conversations about uh, criminal justice reform. And, you know, the, the conversation kind of goes all over the place, uh, but I think it's a reminder that uh, this isn't a new conversation. It's one that's been happening for a long time and one that Southern Baptists have been speaking into uh, for the need to to consider the humanity of um, of the the people in our prison system. And it all was happening uh, this week in SBC history. Yeah, Amy, that's a good reminder about the, the changes, much needed changes uh, in criminal justice and the system there. That's something the Trump administration, I know, has been making a big part of what they've done. So I commend them on that. And also, Amy, that, that bio, you know how it ends, right? I mean, he resigns the presidency. I, don't, I hate to ruin it for you. Right. But- we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Right right now, um, it's, it's pre-Watergate right now. It's oh. Vietnam. We're in the Vietnam 
or Kent State. You know, you, you know that that doesn't end well either. Right. So. Kent State University has just happened um, it, in some kind of rough water. It's a really interesting book, actually, because it's not so much focused on all the events as much as, as it is a character biography of Richard Nixon really trying to understand who he was. Hmm. It's a fascinating, fascinating Has there been book. like a definitive Nixon movie made? Yes. I know there was the Frost Nixon movie, but what, what's the, the definitive Nixon movie? What is that? Well, wasn't Anthony Hopkins in one called Nixon? I, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. I believe... So, don't give me all the President's Men. You've heard my complaints about that movie. But Okay, so first of all, there was a movie called Nixon in 1985 that um yeah i would have been watching that as a four-year-old that had anthony hopkins in it but it was an oliver stone film so it's going to be a very specific you know kind of uh focus and perspective obviously portrays him as a very complicated figure as as he was i think it's really difficult frankly because he was so complex Uh, i think it's very difficult to have a definitive nixon film because there are just so many slices to his life and his presidency. Uh, but you and I differ. I have a great appreciation for all the president's men. Um, also, the post that came out uh, I enjoyed a, that. I enjoyed a couple that. years ago, that, that's you know another kind of piece. Even though he's not central uh, as a character, I mean, you don't, yeah. you, you don't really get to know him in that it's a battle sort of against him. He's kind of Mm -hmm. an adversary in that. And then Frost Nixon is, is quite fascinating. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of things out there that explore him. All right. Yeah. I'm not a fan of all the president's men. We've been over that. So yeah, I think you said you didn't, you, you didn't know enough about the story. Yeah. It's one of those where they like connect all the dots that they expect you to have already in your head. Right. And if you don't have all the details down, you don't understand what in the world is going on. Right. But it was released at a time when everyone knew the well, details. Well, yeah, but looking back had, on it 30, 40 years later. Right. Yeah. They had lived it. Um, but the book I'm reading is called Being Nixon by Evan Thomas. So that's not my resource of the week, but that's just a freebie thrown in there since I keep talking about it. Ooh, free resources. All right. Speaking of resources of the week, my resource of the week is the Minister's Tax Guide from Guidestone. They just announced uh, the release of their 2019 Minister Tax Guide for 2018 returns. It's available for Guidestone participants. You can find out more over at guidestone.org slash tax guide. Not tax guy, but tax guide over uh, at the Guidestone website. So check that out if you're filing your taxes. I have a CPA that files mine because I don't want to go to jail, Amy, or pay fines because I don't know how to do taxes. That's not what I went to school for. And I'm guessing you don't do your taxes either. Oh, no, I I don't. (laughs) I do not. No, no, Amy and math, no. (laughs) Yeah, nobody, nobody in my house wants that. No, nobody wants that. So, Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a new book that's coming out, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, I had this uh, pop up on my desk, so I love when I get books from uh, Lifeway heading my way. It's called Vulnerable, and it's by Raleigh Sadler. Yeah, he was on the uh, the podcast with Marty this past week. Yeah, and it, it's about, about uh, the, the subtitle is Rethinking human trafficking. So Raleigh, uh, who is uh, someone I know from back in the day at Southern Seminary, he is the president and founder of an organization called Let My People Go. 
Uh, and this is a book that is, uh, B&H has, has put it out and it's making the case that anyone can fight human trafficking by focusing on those who are most often targeted. So the idea is recognizing that people are targeted, um, for human trafficking because they are vulnerable and that we can not just, uh, that, that we can understand our role to reach out to those who are, who are vulnerable, um, and, and that we can be part of the solution. So I like that. I think we're in a day where a, a lot of folks don't exactly know what to do. They can put a red X on their hand and, you know, maybe put a picture on social media or they can, can, uh, say that this is an issue that matters to them, but they don't actually know, uh, what to do. So I'm very excited, um, to, to read this. Have not gotten to dive in yet, uh, but I will soon. Yeah, and you mentioned posting the red X's online. That End It Movement uh, Day was this past Which week. I think is a great, it's so, a, it's a great it's perfect movement. perfect timing, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Louis and Shelley Giglio and everything they've done with that has been phenomenal. It was neat to see people from different walks of life on TV this week uh, with the, the red X's on their hands. I saw an NBA basketball reporter, different things. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So th- this is a good resource to think about what we can do tangibly in all of that. All right, Amy. Um, we're going to end it on kind of a, a heavy note here. Uh, we have seen a link online this week, the Houston Chronicle. Uh, they are previewing a story that is coming on Sunday, February the 10th. Uh, I'm just going to read this from their website. It's called Abuse of Faith in the Past 20 Years, a Disturbing Number of Southern Baptist Church Leaders and Volunteers have engaged in sexual misconduct in a new investigation by the Houston Chronicle and San Antonio Express News. As revealed this, they were pastors, deacons, youth pastors, and left behind more than 700 victims. Read and hear the stories of these victims and learn the depths of the crimes and misconduct of the church leaders they trusted. That is coming out on February the 10th. They are already previewing that, and we are going to, uh, along with many Southern Baptists, we'll be reading that on Sunday morning. This will not be good, Amy. Yeah, I think it's going to be actually a hard thing to to read and it's it's a little tough to reflect on now and just to take in that number but to not know, yeah. I mean, I don't know what we're going to find in that in that yeah. story. This is a story that we have to in a sense not resist but to welcome and say this is this is information that we need to know because it's not going to change if we don't see it. Yes, and you and I have been calling for leaders in Southern Baptist to turn on the lights on this issue. And this is what the Houston Chronicle has done. And this is something we need to read and reflect on. And we need to, you know, as, as President Greer prepares uh, the report from the sexual abuse task force that he, that he has, uh, this is something that we we knew was coming. We've, we've heard right. about the story coming. There will probably be a lot of things that we know and we've heard about over the years and stuff that you and I have reported on on this podcast even. Right. And there will be a lot, though, that we don't know. And this is something that we should not be upset or mad at the Houston Chronicle for going out and doing. Uh, I just want to point that out. This is not something for us to get mad that I can't believe they're making Southern Baptists look bad. That is not our response to this at all. It should not be whatsoever. Uh, But it is something that we need to look at and say, where are we messing up as Southern Baptists in our churches, in our leadership ranks? Um, What have we done and how can we eradicate that? And how can we make Southern Baptist churches to be a place where predators cannot hide? Right. And cannot uh, find victims, groom victims and abuse victims. Right. So uh, that is something that that I, that is my prayer for the Southern Baptist is where we get to that place where sexual predators are not part of our uh, system and, and using our system like they have in the past. Right. 
And I, I think as I just prepare my heart for this story uh, on Sunday, as you said, we've covered several of these stories over the last uh, 200 episodes. You know, we can can look back and see some individual things that, that had come to light and how difficult every one of those stories uh, was because there was uh, an individual on the other side of that, usually a child, to think through the, just the humanity of those um, victims and then to take the number 700, it is just tough for my mind uh, to process and to recognize that 700 victims uh, or more, which, you know, surely uh, we, we have to recognize that that every everything didn't get discovered. Those are our, our 700 individual people and children and, and, um, and just, you know, vulnerable as we were just talking about. So I, th- I think we have to just let the reality sink in. Truth is important. Um, and it needs to come to light. Uh, so we need to, to welcome turning on the lights so that we can look at how to make this different. Yes, and we are planning to host a discussion about this on our Facebook page. We're going to do a Facebook Live Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So February 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern, Facebook Live. Join us over there. We're Amy and I are going to just have a discussion about the story, about how we respond, about how, you know, what does this mean for us now going forward and maybe some some different takeaways from it. So that that's our plan. Um that we may have to change things a little bit on that, but that's our plan. Uh, but the story's coming Sunday, so we'll right. be doing something Sunday night on Facebook Live. Yeah, and this is a discussion. I mean, we we don't know what the story is going to have in it, so there's no set. We don't come with all the answers, um, but this is something that we need to be discussing uh, among ourselves in our churches in you know, church staffs, things like that. Uh, so we all need to be ready to take this in on Sunday. It's kind of a tough way to end episode 200, Amy, uh, but it's something that it's coming. It's yeah, something we need we to address. Have to. So but we, ha- we have to yeah. see and know. Yes, we do. So uh, thanks again for everybody who has joined us over these past 200 episodes. We, we really enjoy doing this every week. And we can't wait to see you for the next 200. And uh, it's it's hard to believe, Amy, that just 100 episodes ago, we were sitting with Dr. Aiken in Wake Forest recording that one. Yeah. Um, and and now here we are at episode 200. Who knows what episode 300 may Who bring? knows? Who knows? All right. Thanks again for joining us today here on SBC This Week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>